before we get started, I just want to make a reminder to everybody that the information uh, discussed today is not to be interpreted or construed as investment advice. Everyone's financial situation, goals, and objectives are different. Please consult investment advice. The dirty secret is that no one's ever going to get paid back. People have the shortest memories when it comes to investment. We just got to get Keith into Bitcoin. Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to the Looney Hour, episode 20, as always, joined by the three amigos. We've got uh, Rich Diaz, the Tom Brady of macro with Acorn Macro Consulting. And then we've got everyone's favorite boomer in his dress shirt today, Keith Dicker with Icecap Asset Management. Uh, Keith has got a some fan mail. We've got a new box of Twinkies in the mail. Um, so thanks, uh, Keith and Bessie, uh, for sending that over. Keith... Uh, there's a lot of people demanding that you inhale a Twinkie after that call on the whole Russia U- Ukraine uh, spat, and and obviously big news today as we're recording this uh, yesterday, the 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 invasion has officially begun. So there's a lot to sort of discuss on that front, and and um, uh, I think it's important to preface that while we certainly hope to entertain you all and have a good dialogue here that we are not geopolitical strategists and trying to figure out all the ins and outs of what's going to happen here is is anyone's guess and um so let's take it easy on keith here but uh uh rich uh, or keith i don't know if either of you want to take it off keith do you want to have any sort of any defense here uh to start things off your kind of views any updates on how you're looking at the situation yeah. right now so first of all though um Keaton, Bessie, thank you. So you guys, so we have our first corporate sponsor. Uh, every now and then we, we do bets on the Looney Hour. And I think Rich has won 18 of them in a row. He's pretty good at it. But uh, Keaton from out in Vancouver sent us this real nice box of Twinkies. So he's now the official sponsor. We'll have more bets coming up. And let everyone know the new bets for, uh, sorry, the new prize for new bets coming up. We're kind of thinking about trips to Hawaii and, and stuff like that. So any other sponsors line up is great. Um, okay, let's, let's go into a lot of this stuff though. And, you know, first of all, you know, just, just preface. Uh, when I, when I, when I explain things and views, um, it's not because of any lack of incense, being insensitive about anything. It's really just being objective. And we'll talk about, that when it comes to managing money and it's so like i've seen this so many times now over the years and it's been a lot of years for me um and what i'm about to say just stop and think about it and you'll say yeah that's it doesn't seem right but it's right everybody buys at the top and sells at at the low and I, I can go through so many crisis events over the years whether it's you know aspects for war or anything else Everyone is selling, you know, when, when they shouldn't be and they're buying when they shouldn't be. So a recent example last year with, we you know, all the crypto mania and, and the ARC funds out there, everyone's buying this stuff at, at the top. And now the stuff is, is down to pretty low levels and, you know, people are selling today, right? And they shouldn't be. It should be, you'd be doing the exact opposite. Exactly. So when we do things, uh, so for example, for ice cap right now, um, Today, like we're actually selling uh, agricultural commodities and we are selling volatility. So everyone out there is lined up 
you know, doing the opposite today. So if, if you're in the business of managing money, you really have to show zero emotion. And sometimes it can come across as being a bit insensitive towards what's happening behind the scenes. Because we know it's not a lot of fun right now, especially for what's happening around the world. But we're going to go into a big conversation about that. And uh, we'll go through our views on how is this going to play out. And in our mind, it's, it's still going down that same road. And, and this, is, this is a really interesting road where it's going. But I'll jump back into that. Uh, as we get going, maybe Rich or Steve want to carry on next before we go back and do more. Of the no, I, just want, I wanted to just say something more about the so touching on how you sort of perceive, um, maybe stepping back a little bit as to what I try to do, which is what rather than worry about being right or wrong, I think that that's sort of like a very short term, um, kind of um, shallow sort of assessment of your analysis. I think what's more interesting and more important for me, and I think for Keith as well, is understanding the risks and understanding what you think is the probability distribution of something occurring and whether or not you've sort of gotten that probability distribution right. And then assessing the sort of the risk reward to that. So just because you, you know, if you're take a, you know, forgive this example, you know, it's the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's down by 21 points betting, you know, on the, um, you know, betting on the team that's up by, you know, third, you know, 30 or 40 points with, you know, 20 minutes left in the game, just because you got that bet wrong in the end, didn't mean that was the wrong decision. And I think it's important that when, you know, when we kind of analyze either stocks or bonds or political outcomes that frankly, no one really can tell what's going to happen in the future. But I think um, that's the way I sort of try to weigh, outcomes and weigh potential um, trades. Um, it's sort of a risk reward. You know, we told our clients, um, you know, we thought that buying Russian equities was a good tactical trade. And we were wrong, but we thought we, we stand by our decision and how we came to that view. And so I think it's just kind of rather than focus on being right or wrong, I think it's more about how you get to that conclusion. Well, let's give you a little bit of daps here. You've had been You've had some pretty good calls as well. I mean, obviously, you've been yeah. extremely bullish oil. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But and, I just, and I don't know. Financial. I think it's, I just, I want to defend my boy. Basically, I want to defend my boy, Keith. You know, he's getting, yeah. Well, so I mean, Keith, I will say, Keith doesn't need any defending, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, you're a boomer. You might slip I, and fall or something. <laughs> so let's go, let's, let's go, let's dive into a lot of different things about the market. And um, so, so, for, so again, that this is, continuing the trend as we expect and, and i hope it it ends pretty soon because if it doesn't i mean it's going to be even you know a darker path where we're going so first of all um you know when when, when i talk about things i like to explain a narrative and i do not believe so everyone who's ever gone down through the university route with financial markets or the cfa studies and all that stuff you know you're, you might be aware of this efficient market hypothesis thesis right so it means everything is always priced to perfection. There's no knowledge you can have or use to help you make money because the whole world can do it at the, at the same time. And uh, I do not believe that at all. I mean, you can use certain tools and instruments, and one is sentiment. That's what we're talking about right here. But wait, wait, Keith, you notice- Keith, Keith, there's, there's weak, semi-strong, and strong. So there's different scales. There's different... Um, just so people understand as far as the... Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. we have access to, to a, lot of, a lot of those tools. Um, so one thing I like to say, what, what is, uh, and it comes back to something that we've been talking about quite a bit now in the Looney Hour for the last uh, number of episodes. What's one thing that no one's really talking about over the last uh, few days? Inflation, Inflation. central <laughs> banks, fiscal spending, 
you know, all of a sudden in Canada, you know, no one's talking about Trudeau anymore. Like it, it, it's a pretty big distraction that just took place. And, and this is something that we introduced during the last episode when we talked about all this. So again, I can just share with you uh, what my contacts are, are sharing with me. And um, then you have to look at, remember, everything is a policy response. So Putin will do something, Russians will do something. And then the Americans, you know, slash NATO, they do something else. And then the Americans do something and then Putin will, will respond again. Um, and no particular, there's a lot of things going on here, guys. But I always suggest to everyone, just, just be rational and, and think here. And the other thing, you know, because of mainstream media right now and social media and, you know, three guys with a shovel and a podcast, you know, we, we get some airtime to, to say whatever we want. Uh Everything is amplified to the nth degree. So let's just be very simple here. The sanctions that the EU, the Americans have announced on various Russian individuals. Has anyone noticed who's not included? Yeah, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. So why why is that? You think, you know, if you're putting it together, he might be on the list. He's not on the list, right? So that that's just something to think about here. Um, so the way... And, you know, then I talked about last week, hey, you know, boots on the ground and stuff. And the Russians, they, they've definitely gone in on the East Coast. So not the East Coast, so the, the Eastern, is it provinces or territories or regions? I, I don't know. I apologize for knowing what it's called in Ukraine. It's the um, Donetsk. Uh, it's the Donetsk region, right? Or something like that? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, a province or whatever. And then they did take out some, uh, you know, some strategic uh, points, I guess, in the military perspective in, in Kiev and stuff. So uh, one, one of the, my good friends is in the business. I said to him, I said, hey, you know, what What are the odds of the Americans and NATO responding with um, any kind of missile strike or boots on the ground? And his exact answer was, what's lower than zero? Of course, I said, well, the ECB's overnight rate. And he laughed at that, of course. But um, it, again, it, these things are happening and you have to appreciate what is going to be what is going to be the reaction to it? And if the Americans, if they do start, you know, throwing some missiles and thrown in the air and, and then, you know, then this gets escalated to another level. Instead, you're likely going to see a whole bunch of policy responses. And as we are going here, the loser in all of this, no matter if it's the Russians that respond more or the Americans respond more, you always go through a, a, a simple diagram chart or outcome. And, and the loser all the time, it's the Europeans. So the Europeans are absolutely screwed here. So let, let's just take it one step further. So, I mean, policy response, and let's assume now there's no uh, missiles launched, uh, no boots on the ground, for example, that, that doesn't happen. Um, so what they can do, for example, uh, let's just say they cut the Russians completely off the SWIFT dollar system. So they're gone. They have no access. You're actually, I think one of the, Russian banks got cut off this morning in, in Europe. So you're getting these kinds of things happening. So what can the Russians do? They can, you know, let's just, okay, let's just starve the Europeans for not gas. Let's cut them off completely. Or alternatively, the Europeans might say, we are not accepting your gas anymore. You know, we're just going to swallow this ourselves. But let's, let's starve the Russians that way. So not gas is going to be a big tool in the European market coming up. The other, I mean, Rich, you earlier you said you suggested to buy some Russian assets. I, I'd be very mindful how you do that because the logical step that's, remember, this is a different way to fight wars now. It's not always boots on the ground. 
and the Americans have all kinds of, of instruments here to do it. So one thing is the Swift Dollar Network, but it, it's highly likely now in, in the US, they will prohibit any Russian assets from trading on US exchanges. So if anyone was looking to go along the Russian ETF, you know, think in about my it. De- in my defense, it was before they invaded. I, you know, that, that's, that's what I was Yeah, that's to different. At. Today's yeah. a different story, right? Yeah, so that's, exactly. I'm just saying, that's a policy response that could happen. Um, the next one is no debt instruments can be involved in the US markets. And then the other silent killer, all US credit rating agencies, yeah. including the Europeans and Fitch, they're either no longer allowed to rate Russian securities, or worse still, they're told to rate them all an F, you know, basically. So the Americans have a, a policy tool to really cut off the Russians financially. So again, you, you have all these things that are coming up. Mutual funds and ETFs can be told they are not allowed to buy Russian securities as of, of any kind. And then all of a sudden, any of the Russians, they will respond again. So there's a lot of ways to get involved in this situation. And it's very different than you look back to the uh, when the Americans went into Afghanistan at 9-11 and then uh, Iraq, you know, about a year later it was. So uh, that, that's just the opening comments that, again, these are stories that you're not getting on mainstream media. They're just showing, you know, the you know, all, all the chaos that's happening and chaos is extreme panic. And I'm not saying that that's that's good or bad. Uh, but in the financial marketplace, to give you an example here, I'm just looking at gold. Gold right now is trading at the exact same place as it was last night before the news was announced about Kiev, you know, being under attack. So again, there's a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of people wow. don't realize as well, like markets don't open at 1030 in the morning, Nova Scotia time or 930 Eastern. Uh, futures are trading all night. You know, they, they stop for two hours and you can, you know, you can really get a feel for uh, where things are moving. But, uh, but go ahead, guys. That's just the yeah, initial guys, thing to uh, think about. One of my favorite uh, follows is Pippa Malmgren. I'm not sure how, how familiar you guys are with her, but uh, so her dad was an advisor to the, to the president and, and I think she was a senior advisor to, to the George W. Bush. Anyway, she's heavy in the in the finance space tech space etc she's written a sub stack here she calls it electrons are the new bullets and she basically just says that in, in her opinion anyways and i think she's extremely well connected and extremely intelligent uh she yeah, she views it basically as that uh you know look look for russian cyber attacks so she's like you know that could be no more uber eats because your gps system is down you know you want to post a video on tiktok you know that might not be possible um, so she's, she's just looking at it and basically saying the new escalation is simply to turn off the power GPS and internet, um, because a lot of these wars will, will be cyber attacks. And obviously Russia is extremely good at that. So, uh, that's, that's about as far as an extent of as my geopolitics goes, but, um, I, I wouldn't mind turning this conversation into, okay, as a Canadian, I'm sitting here, obviously I'm going through my replies and DMS and people are now asking me. Well, what does what does most Canadian initially think of? They go, oh, "What does this mean for the housing market?" <laughs> right? So I think, and I think to sort of unpack that a little bit further, they go, "Okay, this is obviously happening, you know, continents away from where we are. I don't really understand what it means. Yeah, something's going on in Ukraine, whatever. But like, now what? Like, okay, so we've got you know oil." run through over a hundred bucks a barrel 
which is obviously highly inflationary, as we talked about, you know, oil is basically life. It's the cost of energy. So if that goes up, everything basically costs more. How, how now how policymakers going to d- digest this, right? I mean, arguably higher oil prices, an outbreak of war that could be, in, that's obviously inflationary coupled with the fact that we're already dealing with 30 year highs in inflation, but central banks really want to be tightening into, into this, you know, shit show, let's call it what it is. So I don't know, Rich, if you want, if you have any sort of ideas, I I kind of want to unpack this a little bit further, not only for my own sort of knowledge base here, but it is a very, I can't think of a, a shittier position to be in as a central banker right now. So, I mean, I think it's a fair, fair enough point, but I think it's, I'm just going to circle back to sort of the way that Keith framed it, which was to say, you know, a lot of this is sort of a distraction. And I think I come at it from sort of a different, completely different view, but we, we sort of kind of come to the same conclusion, which is, I think that this is distracting from what I believe is actually, I mean, notwithstanding what's going on in Ukraine. So forgive me for being so callous, but I actually think we're being distracted from what I think is actually sort of a good macro backdrop. Um, and, um, and, and, and the way I would, the, the, the single point that I would look at to sort of um, as the linchpin or sort of maybe to, to confirm my bias is the 10 year bond yield is still at 195. And I think that if people, and I you know, and so, yeah, you can look at the markets and you can look at, um, you know, you can look at, you know, all, all these tech stocks. I mean, I think actually the QQQ is probably flat now, but anyways, you can see the selling off and the futures and all this stuff, but lo and behold, the probably single most important single line item on my screens every day that, um, you know, kind of encompasses all of the views of interest rate policy and war and inflation and this and that is at 194. Hasn't moved is what you're saying. Yeah, it hasn't moved. Sorry. Excuse me. That's right. And I think that that, um, and I think we're in a way, I think it's what I'm actually going to do for the rest of the afternoon is go out and go drink in the pub. Because I think in these times, you need to sort of um, force yourself to pull away from the headlines. Because, you know, I was looking at all the macro stuff. And I understand it's, you know, slower moving stuff and slow moving data. But, you know, the New York Federal Reserve comes out with this manufacturing survey starting to improve um, claims. Um, so um, jobless claims came out better than expected, continues to fall. The German, we talked about German. Yes, Germany is very, very vulnerable. I get it. We can go into that a little bit later. But the German IFO, which is, um, I can't forget, I, can't, I don't know what the acronym is in German, but it's basically a business survey akin to the ISM. But in for Germany, um, it rebounded this month, sorry, last month. Um, and more importantly, there is the supply constraints that they were under, which were extreme, extreme levels. We're talking about like basically the highest they've ever been have come off their peaks. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm not going to, but I mean, it, you know, thing, you know, one last point, which is just the, you know, you look at the, um, the Citigroup Economic Surprise Index, which is also another important indicator to sort of understand people's expectations of economic data versus what actually comes out. That's positive. And so, you know, you, you have all these, and then again, I bring it, circle it back to the 10-year bond yield, which is just ticking, ticking along at 194 um, and just saying, actually, you know what, guys, you know, there are definitely some risks, but, you know, global growth seems okay. And so I think that's, you know, I think it's important for me. I think it's the way that Keith outlined it is really important to just like focus on what you're good at, what you understand and what ultimately will determine earnings, margins, and where the S&P 500 is going to go. 
So that's the way I sort of, I see it. And back to your question, Steve, is I don't think this is going to change their math at all. I think real interest rates are still at 40 year lows. I think that raising interest rates, 25 basis points does not change anything. And I think frankly, the two year bond yield has already done much of the, um, of the kind of policy work with respect to interest rate expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good that's a good point. Obviously, my view is still, I mean, for simplicity's sake here, it's, it's probably very simple, but the Bank of Canada is obviously still going to raise rates 25 basis points here yeah. in March. Um, yeah, 25 basis points is not going to disrupt and royal markets here. But I, I mean, Keith, I don't know if you have any additional commentary because I think we're just, you know, uh, we, we, you and we, we, the three of us have been going back and forth in our group chat here over the last couple of days, right? And there seems to be a lot of, discussion around you know is the central banker really your friend anymore right i mean are they truly going to tackle inflation um it, particularly you know we see markets selling off like historically like there's been a, a debate really that you know central banks do they really have an inflation target or do they have an s&p 500 target uh and obviously you know we see markets selling off here right now so keith i i'm curious to see or to hear how you're looking at this yeah, so I want to comment on the, the treasury yield, where it is, and, and also on that. But remember, though, um, you know, when we first started having these conversations here about you know, the Bank of Canada, the Fed, and we say, you know, they're, they're not going to raise seven or nine times, whatever the, the Scotiabank number was, because they'll get stopped out for some reason. So it, it's, it's happening. This is the reason, right? It's coming up. It's, uh, Bank of Canada is up next Wednesday, so less than a week from now. They're, it's their meeting. They're their first up. Uh, and then the- that's going to line up perfectly for the Looney Hour, which we record on Thursdays. So uh, for a little teaser for you guys next week, we will have full coverage on that. But uh, Keith, continue. They were originally scheduled to go on the third during our Looney Hour taping, but they decided to go the day before because they know they, they, they knew nobody would watch them if we were recording this. So that's that's another Twinkie, maybe. Um, <laughs> but again, like when, when, when we make comments to say, you know, the central banks will get stopped out, they're not going to be able to make all these rate hikes. And we said, you know, back then, we, we don't know the exact reason for it. But this is one of the reasons. And again, I, I'm going to be shocked if they don't raise rates next week. Um, if they do, then I, I think, you know, you line up to short Canada all day long. If, if they don't short next week, that, that's the one. Sorry, um, you're saying if they don't hike next week, you short Canada. That's what you're saying. Uh, uh, correct. Maybe I didn't say it the right way, but that, that's what I meant to say. Right. So we, so we have that coming here. And, and again, I think they'll get stopped out at some point. I don't know how many hikes it will be. Um, with, you know, if, you know, Rich made a good comment about the, about the 10-year treasury. And you know that's a that's a great barometer used during normal market and economic cycles, and you know it was selling off up until a week ago because of the whole inflation um, expectations and, and all that story with it, and and now it got a bid this morning. So the bid this morning is not inflation uh, related; it's simply flight for safety. That, right. that that's where it's, where it's where it's going. How this affects Canadians is that, you know how we've been talking about credit spreads uh, a bit over, over the last number of weeks and, and episodes? Um, credit spreads continue to rise. So that means mortgage rates are likely to continue to rise. So what that means that there are times when you see uh, like the 10-year treasury yield come down, 
sometimes it means mortgage rates will come down with it. But there are other times you have to look at the credit spread on, on top of it. So with long-term rates coming down in the U.S. as well as Canada this morning on under government bond, credit spreads are likely widening. So this gives, so, so again, which means mortgage rates can stay high and even go a little bit higher. It really depends on how they, the banks start pricing risk going forward. So it, it, again, it's really important in, in our world to look at credit spreads. And uh, that's where we're going with it. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the whole thing about central banks. I think it's just fascinating, guys. Like, it, it really is. I remember a few weeks ago, we floated the narrative that, you know, central banks, that if they start raising rates and fiscal spending starts to decline and the economies are not growing as fast as they were before, you know, it, it's, it's going to create some challenges. And, you know, how can you offset that? And I said before, in the, in the U.S., a strong U.S. dollar a decline 10, 20% of the stock market and whatever other security people are looking at, that, that does a real good job of, of slowing inflation. We also know, I know we joke about the transitory effect with inflation, but the economies have to open up again. If they open up again, then that will help a lot with the supply side. So the inflation story, it can work itself out. And, you know, that's what they're trying to do now, right now, of course, around the world. Uh, but the real question is, like, this, this whole Ukraine situation, does it really escalate from here? And I think the only way it escalates from here, if somebody really, you know, they get an itchy finger and they make a big policy mistake. And let's not forget the Chinese, because they're involved over in, in the Pacific. And I do not think the Americans will be distracted with the Russians that they forget to take the eye off Taiwan, what's happening over there. The, the American Navy fleet, it's, guys, it'll be like 100 Wayne Gretzky's against, you know, Steve Soretsky on his, <laughs> Steve Soretsky in his bear league, you know, it, hey. it's, it's a, I know Steve is good and all, but still got it. Yeah, I oh, know. I but now. those are some. So, so again, that the, the central banks now they're, they now have a reason coming up very soon not to hike rates as aggressively is what everyone was was looking at before. And then I mentioned before as well that the big market everyone's looking at now to make money possibly is in the euro dollar market and the Canadian bankers acceptance uh, contract market up here in Canada. Again, it's just a fantastic. Again, if you're insensitive about people's feelings around the world, which as a money manager, you have to be like, these are these are the moments you look at for the uh, to manage your money. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's always a good point. We've, we've talked about it on this show quite a bit, but basically you kind of have to try to put yourself, you have to keep your emotions out of it and you have to try to put yourself in like the central banker's shoes and then say, okay, if I'm a central banker dealing with, you know, a massive debt to GDP imbalance and realistically, yeah, in order to fix this, yeah, you know, you have to run real negative rates for a prolonged period of time. You're looking for like any excuse whatsoever to not raise rates. And at the same time, though, is you still have to emit a level of confidence to the general public that you are going to maintain the value of that currency. Because I think that's part of like the social contract right i mean like you're not going to come out and say hey guys we can never raise interest rates again because look at the debt to gdp picture look how bad it is you have to sort of it, it's all it's forward guidance right i mean i think that's like it's all it's, so much of this is psychological so 
again, Rich, I know you're, you're dying to chime in here, but well, no, I was just, I think also we, I think we also forget sort of the, like, I don't know, for me, I'd like to like to just take one step sort of under the hood because I think we spent a lot of time looking at the S and P 500 or whatever, but there are some sectors that are actually doing super well in relative terms that have not done well in a long, long time. And I think it's interesting to point out like telecoms, you know, that inflation is, you know, as inflation is bad for some people, it's actually really good for others. For the first time in in what seems like a generation, obviously I'm exaggerating, the first time in years and years and years, you have telecom service providers, the Comcast, the AT&Ts of the world, all these people, they have pricing power. Um, that, that sector is starting to outperform. Um, you know, doesn't trade, trade has a good dividend yield, had trades with, doesn't have too much um, leverage. Same with uh, consumer staples. Um, these companies are able to uh, to push through pricing pricing um, increases and keep their margins high, and so we you know we we see a lot of the the negative headlines on the Facebooks and stuff. But I think it, it does it would do us all a little bit of I think we do all do a little bit better if we instead of spending time on those um, headline indices and stocks to go dig a little deeper and look at you know consumer staples is good. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm on on the energy like train like crazy, of course, but telecom services, a, a, a basically a sector that's been just unloved for years and years and years and years is somewhere where actually these companies are making money and, and, and pricing power. And I think that's a, that's a, frankly, that's a relevant of what's going on in central bank world or whatever. Um, you know, they're not going to raise interest rates enough to affect inflation in the short term. And, um, and so that's just something, something that I think is kind of fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a good point. Uh, just read, I just pull up a tweet here, but, uh, you know, speaking of, of your sort of oil thesis there, obviously it's, it's been doing quite well in this environment. Um, you know, Russia's, I think the USA has been relying, relying on uh, Russian oil imports in the last year. Um, and so there's obviously a, another another case for for Canadian oil and having that pipeline built, which which Biden shut down. But uh, so <laughs> on that so on that point though, let's be let's be clear here. The U.S. used to have like a negative current account balance in energy products of like two percent, which is freaking enormous. Now I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. All right, it's two percent. Now it's it's basically has a closed current account balance with with respect to energy products. So like, yes, they do import some can you simpl- oil. Can you simplify that? So basically like think about your net exports, right? So Canada's, so whether you're exporting versus you're importing. So if you export a lot and so like Germany, for example, has a huge, huge export economy and they import very little, right? So Germany's current account balance, which is, you know, I'm not going to, the last time I got into it, Keith made fun of me for boring everybody, but basically your, your exports minus your imports and then a couple of other stuff. And if you have a massive, massive current account surplus, it means you export loads of shit. So Germany has a really, has, you know, has tied itself to a cheap euro, and so has inflated its current account balance. It's a conversation for a different day. But so, um, and the U.S. basically used to be a massive, massive oil importer. But thanks to Barack Obama and his infinite wisdom, um, the U.S. increased their uh, barrels per day um, production from about four to about twelve. Right. So they're they're the largest oil producer in the world right now. And they now closed their current account balance with respect to energy. And so they they basically produce exactly as much as they consume. And that has changed the geopolitical landscape. I'm sure people smarter about this kind of stuff will tell you it's probably why they don't give a shit about Afghanistan anymore. Who knows? 
But um, and so that's why when you read about those headlines, um, you know, with respect to the U.S. importing, I mean, Canada imports oil from Russia, too. But there's different things, right? Like Canada produces heavy crude. The U.S. produces light, sweet crude. But there are applications that you need a mixture, you need high sulfur content, low sulfur content. There's stuff called there's a something called a gravity I'm not a chemical engineer, so forgive me if I fuck this up, but there's something called the gravity, which is the, the, the type of oil that you use. Um, also, companies have certain competitive advantages when it comes to refining certain types of energy products, whether it's tar or crude oil, uh, jet fuel or kerosene. And so the idea that the U.S. imports lots of oil from Russia, it's like, okay, sure, but it's nowhere near what it was, let's say, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. I think as far as being weak with respect to your energy dependence on Russia, we got, I mean, Keith brought it up before, which is that Europe is totally screwed out of this. And the reason they're screwed out of this is because um, their largest economy, Germany, which is about 25% of uh, Euro area GDP, um, imports, I'm going to read this out here, 50% of its coal from Russia, 55% of its natural gas, and 35% of its oil. And that's because in their infinite wisdom, they closed their nuclear power plants because a bunch of people are basically stupid. And, um, and I think that that's, I mean, that's a much more kind of acute energy dependence thing that we should probably address or talk about. I think that's a good way and, to like, and they like invested, <laughs> and they invested billions in solar back in oh, the yeah. O's, which was all subsidized by government spending. And then as soon as they removed the subsidies, they all went under. Um, like you could wrap the show up right there and be like, so the moral of this episode is that <laughs> Europe and in particular Germany is entirely screwed. No, they no. The, lose. The, I think the moral of the story is I think we need to be much more cynical about these, like a lot of these climate policies have geopolitical, like real impact. And I think, you know, you, you can talk all you want about climate change, but if we all, if we're all dead, it doesn't matter that there's, you know, no CO2 in the air. You know I, what I mean? So like, we need to be like the idea that Canada, for example, like doesn't, for example, here's another one. Um, China produces like 60% of all the rare earth metals in the world. All right. So you, you like, so what if China does the same thing? What if China invades Taiwan? I know we're speculating here, but you know, guess who has lots of rare earth metals? And guess who up up to, um, guess which other Canada? And up until about two weeks ago, we were a liberal democracy that respected the rule of law. <laughs> and so we should consider as a country that cares about democratic values, we should consider exploiting our, our natural resources. Yeah, I would I, I would actually love to pivot into that quickly because I think this is important. Like I think this is I think why a lot of people are listening to the show and certainly why I am I'm, I'm such a you know avid fan of like macro so i feel like it's the ultimate like chess game right like you're always you're, there's so many moving pieces and it's it's never like it's never static and you're always trying to figure out how how the chessboard is going to move and play out and uh you know as you can see you know with the, with the geopolitics involved here there's there's a lot of moving pieces uh there's a lot of policy blunders uh over the years uh you know on the energy side especially uh, but I wanted to sort of switch gears just on the, again, on, on all the moving pieces, you know, we look at, uh, you know, so we had some big announcements uh, from, from Trudeau, obviously revoking the emergency power use uh, here in Canada after what, I mean, he basically was a hard pivot. So, you know, we were kind of discussing off air, but I think a lot of this is coming down to, um, you know, potentially 
Trudeau having a tap on the shoulders from, from the big banks who I would say really realistically, I think the big five banks essentially run the country. Um, let's call it what it is. And this is the problem is like, you have to kind of like look past like the CBC news headlines and say, okay, like what are the larger ramifications? What are the things that I'm not being told that might impact society or my day-to-day life, which is that you can't just in, in a free and democratic country like Canada, you can't just start freezing bank accounts and think that there's zero impact ramifications on a larger level. And so what we were talking, kind of, you know, talking about earlier was basically that, yeah, you, you, if you're looking, if you're in a foreign investor looking to place capital, we talked about it in last week's show, you're starting to say, Oh, hold on a minute. Maybe this isn't the safest place to park capital. Maybe this is going down the wrong path. And so, yeah, go ahead. I I mean, just a quick detail. I was just like, it's not just freezing bank accounts. Sorry. Really quick detail. It's doing so with no probable cause and just on the basis of suspicion. That's it. it, Loads of people deserve to have their bank accounts frozen. Um, But anyway, sorry, please. It's it's about having no, no probable cause, like no judge oversight, et cetera. And again, I want to preface this because I know there's going to be people instantly commenting and sending me emails. I don't care about your politics. I don't care if you're left wing, right wing, you know, orange, red, blue. It doesn't matter. What matters here is is really the larger macro ramifications, which is financial markets are going to perceive this and say, okay, I have options. You can place your money anywhere in the world if you're these large institutions. And it's like, if you're looking at Canada and going, hmm, that that's just how it's perceived. And so Keith, I'd love for you to sort of touch on that. Cause I, I think you, you brought up some good points in the last week's episode, because I think this was a very hard pivot again, right or wrong, whether, whatever your politics are um, this was a hard pivot. And I think that there was more meaning behind it than what, you know, what you're, you're probably being told from the mainstream. Yeah, uh, sure thing. Uh, first of all, I just want to one quick comment on the global energy structure so the um and again just get people to think differently about things so what was the young the young lady from sweden what what's her name that was greta thunberg yeah 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 that's her name um she like a a schwab uh world world economic uh shill there or what i think she might be a consultant of some kind uh, however, you know, back to the points that the rich was making you know, about Germany, what they have and they don't have, you know, and, and so that young lady, you know, she was very good at, at touring the Western world about, you know, suggesting what should be done and, and shouldn't be done. She, she couldn't go to Russia, right? Who's, who's pumping all this oil into Europe and coal, of course. She couldn't go to the Middle East, same thing. Nor did she go to China. Nor did she go to China. And you come up with you know very reasons why or why not. But all the again, like Steve, the comment you make that the geopolitical world for people that are interested in it, it's incredibly fascinating. And there's never a winner. Like everyone, or should I say, there's never a loser. There's, everybody will win a little bit, and that's what what's happening with Ukraine right now. You may not be able to see it yet, but in the end. Everyone involved would, would be a, a little bit of a winner, except for maybe Ukraine, unfortunately. 
Um, and again, that doesn't sound nice, but that's, that's the way it will likely happen. But again, with the whole energy thing, again, it's, it's the West are going down this one road of ideology. Um, someone mentioned Obama about helping Americans become energy independent. But that's he with did. fracking. It was, it was fracking. Fracking is what killed coal. That's yeah. No, fracking is now bad, of course. So now, you know, no, no, the, uh, but well, yeah, it's because it destabilizes, it destabilizes the ground now. Right. But my point is politics, it does have a big influence on economics as, as it's going, which brings us to, you know, Canada. What, what happened here? So one, one thing I do love about the prime minister here in Canada, he's been very consistent on, on everything he's been doing. And it's irrelevant whether you you like what he's been doing or you dislike what he's been doing. Again, I always look for consistencies. And they just did a 180 on the Emergency Measures Act out of the blue. Like overnight, they said, okay, we're now going to shut it down because they were taking crap for 48 hours. Even though, like, even when they did the vote in Parliament, and what which, what really drives me nuts? All you want to, what was the, remember, the, remember in uh, Tiananmen Square back in the 80s, the one guy stood in front of the tank, very famous scene, of course. Um, and I think tank now genera- generations of, of Chinese, they don't even think it happened. Like, they, they don't think it happened, but it did. In, in Parliament a few nights ago, not one MP stood up and went against his party. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter if they were conservative or liberal or NDP, no, no one stood up and said, you know what, I think we got this wrong. You know, it's just on party lines. So, so again, that just shows you how everything is very clear to see. But then all of a sudden, overnight, the, uh, the, the liberals, you know, they, they changed their mind on this. So someone gave them the nod, uh, whether it was the banks or somebody else, but someone suggested to them, we, we need to change this. And, and that's what happened because otherwise there's no other reason for them to change the policy with it. Because what you do in politics, you always float out a trial balloon. You see what the reaction is to it. And from what I saw, there were no trial balloons that went out you know, to, to close, to reverse this overnight. So again, it come, everything comes down to money and power. It, it did happen, which I think it, it's a very good decision here in Canada to have that not enact it but we'll, we'll see where we go with it but now all of a sudden we have uh, a leadership now in in ottawa where okay what are they going to do now so not, now i don't see them as being consistent and we'll sort of tie in with the bank of canada next week because remember at, at the last meeting that the uh, the canadians had at the central bank you know they, we didn't hike today but we are going to hike next time what is seen is going to be if they don't hike next week Seriously, like it's going to be a loony I will hour. eat a Twinkie. <laughs> Rich will eat a Twinkie. I, I will also eat yeah. a Twinkie. I think these guys are for sure raising rates. I just think there's way too much political pressure. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think we, we talked about earlier on the show here. But, uh, you know, I think regardless of whatever the, the reasoning is, I think we all felt it was inevitable that, you know, this talk of like seven to eight rate hikes from the Bank of Canada, just at this point in time anyway, seems extremely far-fetched. Um, because you know, things happen. It's a very complicated global macro picture. And, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I ask you both? I want to ask you guys both a question if that's okay. Um, which is like, given like how energy independence has been sort of, this this has been exposed, right? Germany has been exposed, right? They had lots of nuclear power. Now they have none. They used to not import any gas. Now they have to. And I think that this whole energy independence thing, um, as part of a geopolitical security 
strategy has been exposed. My question for you guys is, do you think that there'll be a similar pivot? In the, um, in the sense, you know, we saw Justin Trudeau sort of be exposed, got the tap on the shoulder. Do you think that other countries in the West will similarly get a tap on the shoulder, not from the banks, maybe from the generals, maybe, or from the, you know, I don't know. I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go. I, I can see it happening in Canada. Uh, I, I fully believe everything is cyclical and the political pendulum has, has been, you know, pretty hard to the left uh, over the last two cycles. And it, it will go back to the right, you know, whether you like it or dislike it, it doesn't matter. And when that happens, it, it'll be a good time to own some real estate in, in Alberta, right? The, the king of Kitslano up there. Look at him. I've got some comments on that. There you go. <laughs> uh, for Europe, however, I, I think even those, I don't think there's anyone right of center. Is that right, Rich? I mean, I think it's incredibly, I think the you CEO need a whole is very weak. generation. The is very weak. And so is the guy from Austria who's, and then, yeah, maybe it's the AFD, but they're a bunch of nutters. AFD, yeah. AFD is the alternative for Germany. It's the right-wing party in Germany. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I really think out of all this, the, the Europeans are really Oh, sorry, screwed. sorry, sorry. There's one more. In, in France, there's Marie Le Pen who came on pretty strong the last presidential election. And then now there's this new guy, I can't remember, but. But other than that, you're right. I think it's it's very, very weak. Yeah, she's out. She, she doesn't have a chance coming up. I, I forget that guy's name. Yeah, me too. Um, so. Yeah, but guys, the Chinese, you talk about energy independence. If you have energy independence, you can do a lot of really cool things, right? But the Chinese don't. Like They they, they, they need energy, right? They, they need it coming in. Same sort of the Australians as well. So um, how many anyway, power plants what, do the Chinese have under construction? Right, like they have like like what do they have like twenty six plants? Like nuclear plants. They have like a yeah, hundred coal power, power plants. Like have, it, it, the numbers are insane. I know it but sounds like, they like a are, stupid number. They are but scaling it's... nuclear power plants like fast, and they're also building coal power plants. Right. Mm -hmm. So much for global yeah. warming. Building new coal plants. <laughs> That's why it's like, I don't know. I always laugh because it's like, I come, yeah, you guys don't know if you know this. I live in Vancouver here in God bless Kitsilano. And uh, the city of Vancouver implemented, uh, they implemented a, um, like a climate thing where it's like, if you go to a coffee shop now, you have to pay, they charge you 25 cents for a coffee cup. Or like, even if it's so now, if you go to Whole Foods and you get like a, a grocery bag, you know, brown bag they charge you like 25 cents and their, their idea was like well it's to fight you know climate change i was like well that doesn't make any sense like i'm gonna go to a coffee shop i'm gonna it, it just it's just a tax that's all i think but it's funny because like that that 25 cents actually goes back to the business it doesn't actually go to like a climate change slush fund or something it just they're trying to like they're trying to change consumer habits in vancouver by charging you an additional 25 cents a cup. And I'm like, well, then, then you've got China building like brand new coal power plants. And I'm like, it's not, it's just, it's hilarious, man. They'd be the, the political, uh, I don't even know what the right terminology is for it, but no, it's just when ideology gets in the way of, of reality. Like we talk and about being, this... having a healthy cynicism as an investor of real, of seeing what the real, what the real world works um you know and it's 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 ideology it sounds good it's virtue signaling you, you virtue signaling good. that was the word you, Thank no, you. sorry yeah you virtue feel signaling. good about something so the funny really the, having no impact sorry go the ahead. funny the funny thing is is it kind of blew up in the politician's face because what happened was over the over the 
holidays, you know, it was extremely cold here. We had like a cold snap. It was like minus 10, it was snowing. And so McDonald's or someone was giving out, I think it was I don't know, one of the shelters or McDonald's or something. They were giving out uh, free coffee uh, coupons for all the homeless people saying, Hey, you know, it's cold, go into McDonald's, get yourself a free coffee. And so these homeless people were walking into the McDonald's, their free coffee certificate and mcdonald's has said sorry sir the coffee's free but your cup's 25 cents (laughs) and there's like it's like these policies are always just oh man it makes you think like i have almost no faith in in government and uh or humanity (laughs) or that might be the best way to sort of summarize this whole podcast I mean, the thing is there, you can do it, right? I mean, I mean, a classic example of how you do, you can leverage engineering and science to really cut emissions is the natural gas in the United States. Um, when they started fracking, which is technology, and they started producing lots of crude oil, again, science and technology, one of the outputs and sort of side effects was this natural, the access to like, kajillions of liters of natural gas and they what's really cool about coal power plants is that they're relatively easy to retrofit to adjust and tweak them into burning natural gas and what natural gas is about 50 to 60 percent less carbon emissions than coal lo and behold (laughs) natural gas killed coal it's amazing right and now everybody wants to fucking ban natural gas i'm just like i want to smash my head against the wall but like it's the same with nuclear. I mean, it's it's just. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, did, did you know that uh, again, city of Vancouver? Uh, they're actually aiming to be the greenest city in North America. Fun fact. So, uh, welcome to my life. Uh, did you know the they, largest coal? Did you know the largest coal mine in Canada is like an hour away from your house? I actually did not know that. Where is it? <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Uh, anyway sorry please uh, yeah no so even like i'm obviously in the real estate space uh they 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 implemented like a new policy so for example like they're basically trying to mitigate um like utilizing or implementing gas in new apartment building construction they want you to be like all electric like no gas lines like you can have a gas stove but like you know gas fireplace no 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 like like so they're changing all the building code as well um to kind of phase that out so kind of interesting let's hope to god that electric 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 power and electric consumption uh as we start ramping up more and more electric cars and getting people off oil and gas that uh you know your electric prices don't spike and then you're in another world of pain but so there's three or four they're not the it's not the largest forgive me but one of the largest is like ford river operations it's 25 kilometers north north of elkford do you know what that is? I couldn't Whatever. Tell you Anyways, there's like five or six coal, coal mines in, like, in British Columbia. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Keith. Keith looks save, us, Keith. Save, save us, Keith. Save us, Keith. Yeah, any, any parting words? I mean, I think we're, we're wrapping up the hour, the loony hour here, but basically yeah. to summarize, yeah, let's, let's give, give the us paper. your... Okay, yeah, so um, so in, in the world, in, in financial markets, that, that's what I do all the time. Um, you know, the, sort of the two parting memories of the last 48 hours, the, re, the reaction to an initial bad event, it, it's always an overreaction. 
So everyone is selling everything that they shouldn't be and they're buying stuff at the top that, that they shouldn't be. And then as the day goes on and the mainstream media, they, you know, the rhetoric is no longer so loud because you've heard it all day long, you know, then, you know, things get to play out. And, and I've said before, like, let, let these things play out as they go. It's not over yet. It, it really is a, a game of chess that that's going to happen. So the, the, the Russians made their play. Now the Americans slash NATO, they'll, they'll do something next. Everyone has to come out a winner. But in the world, if you're anyone making their investment decisions out there, like don't go reacting. Like maybe uh, on this, I didn't tell a story this, this episode. I did Seinfeld, I think last week, right? But uh, do you remember the, the little guy on it, you know, who, who was a bit awkward with George? Human. George. Well, he's a character himself, but the other guy, George, George Costanza, remember he had a principle one day, he just said, or a thought, he said, he's just going to do the opposite of every instinct that he has. And he started living a fantastic life, you know, job promotions and his relationships, you know, did a lot better. Um, in the investment world, sometimes you need to do that. Like you just don't overreact. And, and that's what's happening here. I'm not, I'm not implying that, hey, all this is over yet. But, um, you know, just as last year, and again, like always think about things from highs and lows. Last year, people were tripping up over themselves to buy in certain parts of the market. And they're all buying at the high or within 5% of the high. And now here we are like, you know, 30, 60, 80% lower from where they bought it. Now they're like, they're selling today. Like, um, hey, the Bitcoin, you know, you call me the Bitcoin guy sometimes, Steve. You know, you wouldn't even talk about it. Like here, so here's an asset that, you know, you think that'd be screaming higher today, but it's not like it, it's, it's down hard. So at, at the point in time, you're holding something that you think is going to do really well for you. It, it, it doesn't happen. So does that mean you're, you're running out today to sell your Bitcoin because of, because of this? No, you held it for other reasons. So you should you know, continue to do it. But again, there's, there's reactions out there. So by the way, people selling Bitcoin today is to cover losses elsewhere. That, that's, that they're, yeah, they're I was going to say, because of it. Yeah. Well, yeah that's, that's just observations on markets, right? Market psychology, it's so incredibly important. And most people do the exact opposite of what they, they should be doing. That's I mean, point. I think I think that's a that's good true. point because you, you you brought up like uh, you know sometimes like trades or or you know the market doesn't necessarily always move in the way that you think it should or or it will move, and the one that I kind of highlight the most I think is like you know like how gold has traded over the last like up until most more recently here like the last eighteen months, you know the whole gold bull case was oh my god like US M two money supply was up like thirty percent you know, we're printing all this money inflation at like 30 year highs. And it was like, gold was like, unch, like didn't move. And, uh, and obviously now it's, it's picking up here, but like, I just think like, yeah, theses and, and doesn't, doesn't always play out the way that you think it's going to play out. So but just one more thing to leave everyone with here. So again, from a market perspective. So, uh, so the most interesting currency today is the Japanese yen. So earlier this morning, it was reacting the way that it, it should react and that, you know, as, as crappy as it is in Japan financially, you know, it, it is considered a, a safe haven. So this morning, like everything is red in the currency world, except for the yen. Yen is up versus the dollar, right? That's what was happening. A few hours early, uh, later, I guess, now it's like yen, like yen is down as well. So this it's a pretty powerful move. 
everyone, remember I talked about people leave the emerging market world, they run for safety and, and protection, all, all that stuff. So all of a sudden when you have people who are selling yen as well, like this, this is a pretty big swing. And remember, it's a swing, right? It's not a permanent plateau on, on anything. But, you know, guys, watch yen. It's always an incredibly important measure, you know, for how serious, uh, you know, capital is moving around. And because capital is one market, it doesn't go back to the other, right? It goes somewhere else. How's that for a uh, mystery, which we'll oh. get into next week. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good way to, to wrap it up. Uh, I didn't give my usual intro, but uh, intro, 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 uh, intro, which is, uh, you know, as always, we appreciate your support. And all we ask is that you share this episode with at least one friend, uh, one person, just send them the link to the audio podcast, the YouTube link, whatever. Uh, let's continue to grow the Looney Hour community here. But as always, uh, we appreciate your support. We'll see you next week with a Bank of Canada update uh, and a little deep deep dive in that. We'll probably have some more updates. Uh, let's watch how this unfolds here in Russia, Ukraine. Many more Twinkies on. So, the do road. we have a bet for next week? Is anyone? I'm going for a hike. Anyone saying they're not hiking? I think everyone's high. I'm Twenty five away from that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's does anyone a want to bet. Go, does anyone want to go fifty? Fifty basis points for two Twinkies.